0: and I am your task force chair Uh, we also have here our task force vice chair councilmember Foley uh, who will be facilitating part of the meeting as well and um, I'd like to to mention that today we also have closed captioning available Um, I see it working well on my screen so hopefully it's working well on all of yours as well Uh, it's sort of just popping up at the the bottom of the screen appreciate that we have that uh, availability today and uh, before we get started in the meeting, I would like to take a few minutes to uh, remember people who have uh, perished in our streets since our last task force meeting on December 10th of 2020, uh, up until March 5th of this year. And I'm going to read out the names of the five road traffic victims at the end of 2020. Uh, and Council Member Foley will uh, read out the names of the five victims. From the beginning of this year. So last year we had
1: uh,
0: a male motorist, an unnamed male bicyclist, a male pedestrian, Peyton May Osmond, Layla Marie Limos, and now I hand it over to Councilmember Foley. Oh, Councilmember Foley, sorry, you're on mute. Yeah.
2: Thank you. <laughs> I knew I was gonna do something wrong. I'm so sorry about that. Let me start again then. Alvarino Alves. Jose Gastelum, William Santiana. Male motorist. Wrong K.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, I do think it's important that we uh, identify uh, the individuals that were actually here to, to try and, and, and prevent uh, any of these further victims um, with this task force uh, as we kick off each and every one of these meetings. So on uh, September 25th of last year, we kicked off the first task force meeting to bring together stakeholders at the county, city, and community level to help guide our Vision Zero strategies to make our streets safer. Today's meeting is the third meeting of the task force. In particular, the task force is intended to do the following, to provide quarterly traffic, fatality, and severe injury reports, quarterly traffic enforcement given to the top five causes of fatal and severe injuries, or KSI's, to bring together decision makers from city and county departments to leverage resources for a shared goal of reducing traffic fatalities and to guide implementation of the Vision Zero Action Plan. Today, we welcome a new department to the Vision Zero Task Force, the County Emergency Services Agency known as EMS. It is where the county collects trauma hospital data. San Jose DOT has been working with Jackie Lauser, EMS Director, Falco Schoenweiss, Specialty Programs Nurse Coordinator Ashanti Corey and senior epi- uh, the Senior epi- uh, Epidemiologist. I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm uh, bad at pronouncing that word. And thank you all for your collaboration. Uh, the theme for today, the first uh, our, our first uh, task force meeting was a kickoff, uh, and the second meeting's theme was outreach. The theme for today is data which we analyze to give us the insights that, the, uh, that inform the investments we make to help achieve Vision Zero. In the big picture, Vision Zero brings together crash data collected by law enforcement staff with public health data. Within the context of this task force, DOT is coordinating partners in initiatives to connect and act on these data insights. In San Jose, crash data is collected by the city police department and the county sheriff. Trauma hospital data is collected by Santa Clara County Emergency Medical Services. And the county's medical examiner coroner's office performed studies on people who have died in traffic that determined whether they were experiencing homelessness. Today, we will discuss these bigger intersectional issues, homelessness, public health, and injury prevention as they relate to our streets and public space. As we link the data and analyze it in greater detail, we will better understand of which safety projects and strategic cross department, uh, strategic cross departmental initiatives are the most impactful at reducing crashes severe and fatal injuries, and to inform enforcement, engagement, and education effort. Safety impacts must be regularly studied through data analytics. And as part of the task force, San Jose Department of Transportation has proactively reached out to the Valley Transportation Authority, the Police Department, Santa Clara County Medical Examiner Coroner's Office, and the Santa Clara County Emergency Medical Services Agency to coordinate on data sharing and analytical method- uh, methodologies. Today, we will hear from three of these four partners, the San Jose Police Department, Santa Clara County Medical Examiner Coroner's Office, and the Santa Clara County Emergency Medical Services Agency. And throughout today's meeting, I encourage you all to think about collaboration opportunities. There will be a task force member discussion twice, 15 minutes after reports and updates where we will hear about uh, the 2020 traffic fatality data and another 15 minutes after the data presentations that will be followed by uh, an open forum for the public to comment at the end of the meeting. Um, And now, uh, after that intro, um, I would like to uh, do a roll call of our members uh, from the task force that are present. I'll be calling out the department uh, uh, or organization name, and if the representative could identify themselves by their name and their title, uh, that would be appreciated. And um, we'll go forward. So uh, we'll start off with our, um, we'll start off with our City of San Jose uh, Department of Transportation. We have uh, John Risto.
3: Thank you. Thank you, uh, Chair Perales. I'm John Risto, Director of Transportation.
0: Thank you. And our uh, City of San Jose Police Department.
1: Good morning, uh, Sergeant Greg Connolly of the traffic unit.
0: Welcome. And our city of San Jose Fire Department.
1: Good morning, Robert Sapien. Thank you.
0: Good morning, thank you. And our city of San Jose Public Works.
4: Michelle, you unmute. on
5: mute.
0: We have um, Michelle Kimball from our our City of San Jose Public Works. Uh, We'll move forward. Uh, And then City of San Jose Parks Department.
6: Good morning, everyone. Neil Rafino, Assistant Director of Parks, Recreation, Navidad
7: Services.
0: Thank you. Um, And uh, I don't believe we have anybody today from our City of San Jose Economic Development. Uh, our City of San Jose Planning Department as well, not today, uh, but we do have somebody from our City of San Jose Housing Department.
7: Good morning, Reagan Henninger, Deputy Director of the Housing Department.
0: And uh, Valley Transportation Authority.
8: Good morning, Angelique Aida, Chief of System Safety and
0: Security. Welcome, thank you. And our County Roads and Airports. Uh, good morning, Harry Freitas here, at County Roads and Airports. I believe uh, we also have Ellen Talbot on the line, our transportation planner. Great, thank you, welcome. And County Public Health. Don't believe we got an RSVP for today, um, so we'll pass. And our County Emergency Medical Services. Uh, good morning, this is Jackie Lowther with the
4: EMS Director. Uh, for the Santa Clara County and my team is here as well. Falco Xenovias and Ashanti Coy.
0: Thank you. Welcome. And thank you for the the proper pronunciation of Falco's last name. Um, And our county medical examiner coroner.
9: Good morning, everyone. Dr. Jordan, Chief Medical Examiner for Santa Clara County. And I believe I also have my administrator on the line, Josefina. If you're on the line, could you introduce yourself?
7: Yes. Hi. Good morning, everyone. This is Josefina Covarrubias from the Medical Examiner Coroner's Office.
0: Welcome. Thank you. And our County Office of Education.
10: Good morning, everyone. I'm Dr. Marianne DeWan, County Superintendent of Schools.
0: Welcome, thank you. And uh, Cal Walks.
10: Good
0: morning, Nikita
11: Walk, San Jose Program Manager.
0: Good morning. And uh, Silicon Valley Bike Coalition. Good
3: morning, John Cordes for the Bikes Coalition.
0: Welcome. And then AARP.
3: Uh, Fred Buzo for uh, AARP.
0: All right, welcome. Thank you, Uh, thank you all for for joining us this morning. Okay, and now we are going to uh, post our minutes from our December 10th meeting. And uh, they've been posted on the website as well. Uh, And if you have any uh, comments or feedback on the minutes, you can reach out directly to uh, staff on that. Um, Okay, just a little bit of housekeeping. So as you're uh, seeing, and as we have been doing, this meeting is being recorded and it will be posted. Um, We have our panelists muted by default. Uh, Since we are a large group, we do ask that you use the raise hand function in your toolbar in order to uh, be called in and participate and then utilize the mute and the unmute accordingly. And uh, if you could also uh, rename yourself and your agency uh, names, included as well uh, and attendees will have an opportunity to publicly comment on the open forum this is due to the large number of panelists uh, and a limited amount of time that we have for today uh, and speaking time will be limited we do uh, our very best to stay within the prescribed times of our agenda so that everybody can participate uh, an open forum at the end of the meeting um, or open forum will be at the end of the meeting and if you intend to speak during today's uh, open forum please raise your hand or press the star nine if you're calling on our phone. Uh, And if you'd like to do that uh, now, that way we can get a sense of how many people would like to participate in open forum uh, and you'll just be in the queue. Okay, thank you. And now we'll move on through our agenda here. And for um, agenda item number two is our reports and updates. And Jesse mintz Roth. Uh, From our Department of Transportation will give us uh, some updates on the vision vision zero key metrics updates on the vision zero action plan priority action areas uh, will follow and uh, presented by uh, Jesse Mintz Roth uh, as well as Sergeant Greg Connolly from the San Jose Police Department Uh, and for our task force members, please feel free to ask questions uh, during the presentation after each item.
12: Uh, thank you for the introduction, Council Member. Um, I'm Jesse Vince Roth, Vision Zero Program Manager at the Department of Transportation. Thank you everyone for joining today. Um, I will begin this presentation by talking about our 2020 Vision Zero Traffic Fatality and Severe Injury and all injury data. Um, I want to begin by thanking Councilmember uh, Councilmember Perales for his introduction that talks about you know, people by their name um, when we talk about the data here, we are not really able to do that. Um, we are, there are a lot of privacy concerns in talking about individual cases. And so um, we also want to um, acknowledge that we're talking about our neighbors. So when we talk about um, the data here, we, we don't intend for it to be um, as impersonal as it may sound in the summary way. Um, also um, in 2020, I think as everyone is aware, everything is different and so too is our traffic data. Um, And so as an introduction to describing it, I just want to say that similar to reports in other US cities, uh, the traffic volumes are down, uh, crashes and injuries are down, um, but speeding is way up. And you will find that as a uh, theme in this presentation. So uh, we use the acronym KSI, sometimes it stands for fatal and severe injuries. Um, and fatalities, traffic fatalities, um, remain in range from the last five years, even though they are down. Um, but as you can see here, that fatalities caused by speeding are up over 100%. So um, we created these new slides to track the change in uh, the way that 2020 data was occurring compared to previous years. And so you can see that as these lines start in the beginning of the year before the pandemic, they are uh, in the center of the ranges of normal for injury and for cumulative fatal and severe injuries by month, but as you hit March, um, the line and the dots in the top two graphs, well, actually in the top left graph, goes below the range from previous years, 2015 to 2019. Um, For cumulative fatal and severe injuries by month, however, they stay in range. Um, And if you look at fatalities, uh, they do as well. So in total in 2020, there were 48 fatal crashes resulting in in 49 traffic fatalities. Um, Of these, four of them occurred in private lots. So if you look at the trend in recent years, uh, 49 for 2020 is a reduction from a peak uh, last year of 60, a similar peak also in 2015, um, but we have had numbers in the 40s before, the last recent year around this level was uh, 2016 and 2017. If you look at traffic fatalities by street user type, um, you can see here that we've had a notable decrease in people hit while walking in 2020, however, people hit while walking is still the largest street user group. So um, it's interesting that we've mentioned before the uptick since 2017 in people hit while walking. People hit while walking are the biggest group and they're the biggest group in the five year data and also in the single year data. Uh, Motor vehicle occupants, the second largest group. Uh, People hit while cycling um, are relatively smaller numbers, steady at seven similar to last year and motorcyclists have actually taken quite a decrease in 2020, uh, down from five in 2019 to two in 2020. If you look at the median ages of these street user types, as I previously mentioned, people hit while walking are the biggest group. In 2020, their numbers fall significantly. And I think that, you know, if we think about what we know about the pandemic, Um, older people being at greater risk. Um, It appears that through the pedestrian data that they stayed at home this year. Um, And so in in some ways that may be a plus that the number is down, but these numbers are just to see the trends. And we also see that uh, in the cyclist data, but as I mentioned, that's not very many people compared to the people walking. So that number is more volatile. Um, The motor vehicle occupant median ages Um, is roughly in keeping with recent years. And the motorcyclist data, this is only two data points, um, is also quite volatile, but in range from recent years. One of the new areas that we wanna highlight, uh, particularly in uh, talking about this being the data presentation and also that we will uh, hear from the agency that this data comes from, is homeless traffic fatalities. Um, This uptrend also fits a greater uptrend in uh, fatalities involving people without housing. Uh, However, being able to track this in the context of Vision Zero is a new thing that we are really interested in and want to pay attention to given the data analysis, um, if we can find a way to work on this issue. You can see here that um, in 2020, the number of people Uh, who were hit while experiencing homelessness um, are, first off, they're mostly pedestrians, but uh, the the number in 2028 is higher than any of the other years that we have on record. These um, are a list of the fatalities that have happened since our last task force meeting um and so you can see at the end of 2020 we have two starred cases those are both minors and they both occurred on private property um we also have in 2021 um a number of speeding related crashes and um all of the drivers in those are interestingly male so um to continue on the speeding theme um, we wanted to talk a, bit, a little bit more about the top known factors contributing to fatal and severe injuries. Specifically, if we look at the police data um, to see what the known causes. They, first off, when we read crash reports, there are often many causes, but the police department picks a top one. Um, and so speeding um, was already the top known factor, but when we update the data for 2020, it's even more prevalent. So speeding the number one um, is almost three times as large as red light running the number two Um, and so when the police department presents later we want to be able to focus more on these two behaviors Um, additionally you can see um, that if you look at the year by year data for speedy speeding as primary factor um, there were 13 fatalities out of 49 this year. Um, That is more than double the amount that we had last year. And of course, as a percentage, that also means that we have 27% of all fatalities in 2020 caused by speeding. In these next few slides, I'll be talking about our progress on the six priority areas of the Vision Zero Action Plan. So in the first area and theme of this meeting, we want to talk about our data um, analytics initiatives. Primarily in this meeting, we'll be hearing from other task force members, but we did wanna talk briefly about some of the ones that DOT is working on. Um, Urban Logic is the contractor that we are working with to develop a data dashboard. Um, The contract execution is very close. It will occur in the next few weeks, and so, We're hoping that we'll have them on board in time for the next task force. Um, The Vision Zero Smart Communities Project, we just began presenting on this uh, initiative that we've been working on for a year or two now. Um, And inside this project, which is called Intersection Safety Analytics, um, Verizon has posted some cameras above three intersections in San Jose as a pilot to look into Uh, near-miss data, which is one of the data types that people are very interested in. Um, The Department of Transportation gets approached about working on this type of project frequently by lots of technology companies. Um, And so when we did take on uh, one of these companies to develop this product, we were very interested to develop it in the context of knowing that people hit while walking are the biggest group of fatalities in our data set. Um, So looking at the three intersections, we focused here on the one intersection that has the most uh, traffic from people walking. Um, And we wanted to talk a little bit about the heat map that you see on this slide. Uh, You can see this intersection of Meridian Avenue and West San Carlos. is an intersection that has a pedestrian type retail on the Southwest corner and a surface parking lot on the Southeast corner. If you're familiar with this site um, on the Southeast corner, it's a Safeway parking lot with a McDonald's at the corner. Um, And what really highlights in this uh, image is the the yellow and the red colors in the South leg. Um, And so here we Um, have been trying to think about how to use this data and uh, what this data means. It shows, obviously, a density of data there. Um, And you can see from the text on the slide that a lot of, you know, if we look at the sort of itemized data from the the product itself, it shows us that almost 50% of the near-miss events are on the south leg, 60% sixty percent involve vehicles going northbound and 83 percent involve pedestrians outside the crosswalk. The circles and the pie charts tell us a little bit more about the specific movement that the driver was making at the time but I think the, the looking at this image we're really interested to know what we can do with this data and so um, the thing that we have done so far is that we have used this to apply to a Caltrans sustainable transportation planning grant to create a Pedestrian safety themed plan for the four uh, council districts that our data shows have uh, the most fatal and severe injuries, which are districts three, five, six, and seven. So we applied to this uh, grant, Caltrans grant program uh, last month, and um, are hoping that we'll be able to hire a consultant who can help us figure out what we can do with this data to effectively make. Um, walking, you know, safer in San Jose. Um, Additionally, we're able to use the insight in this particular location um, for a uh, West San Carlos Street project that's currently in preliminary design. The second item of the Priority Action Plan is to form a Vision Zero task force. So obviously we're here um, and we're at the third meeting. The theme is data. The next one will be Friday, June 4th, and the theme of that one will be outreach. Um, and now I will uh, hand the mic over to Sergeant Greg Connolly from the Police Department to talk about traffic enforcement.
1: Good morning, everybody. Sergeant Greg Connolly of the San Jose Police Department Traffic Enforcement Unit. Uh, glad to be here with Vision Zero. Uh, we've been working with DOT constantly since Vision Zero has started and collaborating with our information and trying to lower the fatalities in the city of San Jose. An enforcement activity update here, uh, quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, and quarter four. You can see the volume of citations that are written only by the Traffic Enforcement Unit. During this time, uh, which was unusual because of COVID, you can see a drop in citations, and you can also see that we started tracking warnings. Because of the precautions of contacts, uh, close proximity of people, until we got more information on COVID, citations dropped, warnings went up for the protection of officers. As more information came out uh, about uh, the virus, officers had protection gear, became more comfortable with contacts, and you could see the citations rise and warnings lower a little bit. And then also in there, we have to take into consideration less volume of vehicles on the roadway during COVID, because everybody was shelter in place. And as Jesse talked about, speeding was a main factor and it did rise. Well, with less traffic on the roadways, people have a tendency to have a free for all and they go very fast because there's no traffic out there. Uh, The other thing was, Not only do we do enforcement for traffic in the traffic unit, we also had to take care of special operations and events, which were marches and protests and some of the things that were happening around City Hall, and that takes away from the hours that the traffic enforcement unit can actually go out and write citations, so you see some variations there. And you can see the the lower one compared to last year with quarter one, quarter two, quarter three and quarter four with the amount of only citations because we did not track warnings at that uh, in 2019. But we were trying to get a handle on what our officers are doing. Are they actually warning people? Are they stopping people? And uh, with this data here, you also have to understand the science behind it if an officer pulls a traffic officer pulls somebody over and is talking to that individual the frame of mind for the 50 or 100 people that are passing by that traffic stop the thought is the police are citing people and uh, they're enforcing the traffic law. so it does have a deterrence whether it's a citation or a warning just having the psychological effect of people seeing a person being pulled over. Project updates. Uh, we have a very old e site system. An e site system is basically an electronic uh, citation system that mainly only the traffic enforcement unit used. Its properties are becoming outdated and we are now looking for newer software programs and are in the process of purchasing, hopefully purchasing another one that can keep up with the analytics and the data that we need to uh, report back to Vision Zero and Department of Transportation. And the top two known, uh, killed or serious injured, reporting, speeding and red light running when we send officers out to write citations, uh, their primarily focus is what we call PCF, uh, primary collision factor, factor, which are moving violations, and the top two are speeding and red light running. So when we go out around the city and enforce citations uh, or enforce moving, moving violations, these are what the police officers are looking at. And I think that's it. Do I have another screen there, Jesse? I think that's it, Uh, thank you.
11: Yep.
12: Uh, The fourth area of the priority actions is to increase community outreach and engagement. Um, We are happy to say that we just this morning posted a notice of intent to award um, our Vision Zero Strategic Communications RFP. So we're excited that we'll be able to bring on a firm shortly. Um, hopefully in hopefully spring, um, but uh, we look forward to working with them. Um, additionally, there are two new um, regional and county uh, Vision Zero working groups that I'd just like to mention. Um, it's very important to us to um, be able to achieve Vision Zero and as we broaden knowledge of this initiative Um, around the county and around the region, um, in the whole Bay Area and uh, elsewhere in the state. Um, There'll be greater coordination between cities on initiatives and literacy about work in this area. Um, So the Bay Area Metropolitan Transportation Commission held its first meeting for uh, regional Vision Zero work on February 17th. And um, inside the county, Uh, the santa clara county's traffic safe communities network which is a project of the public health department um, which i'm part of this tscn steering committee um, and now lead the working group on vision zero Uh, we had 27 people attend a kickoff meeting that was on february 26 and everyone was from municipalities and county agencies um, and in that meeting gave input on the group's work plan um, so, we're looking forward to the future work meetings for that. Um, additionally, we have been working on our Daylight Savings Time campaign, um, which this year we called "Look Out When It's Dark Out. Um, this involved putting uh, changeable message signs on the Vision Zero corridors that showed these messages and also creating a uh, poster board campaign that um, are posted on Vision Zero Corridors. Um, it was a big work to put up these signs. So thank you to those who helped us. You can also see the sign above my shoulder uh, in my non-virtual background. Um, so um, it's nice to have done that campaign and also to have coordinated with the police department on enforcement on these uh, locations and also to have coordinated with county roads and airports to include the two county expressways that are part of the Vision Zero corridors. Uh, The fifth area is Quick Build Data Driven Safety Improvements. Um, Our group that we recently started in April um, is doing a lot of work um, and you can see an outreach poster here for Center Road uh, where work is uh, underway now, um, as is uh, Fruitdale, also a spring project, Story Road, a winter project, Hillsdale, a winter project, and going into the beginning of next year, Branham Lane. Um, We also have applied for TFCA grants, transportation fund for clean air from the county for uh, Hillsdale and received that, and also just are now applying for a grant for Branham Lane from that same program. Uh, the last area is to prioritize resources on high KSI corridors and districts. As you saw in the last slide, all of that work is on the high KSI corridors, but the grant application that I mentioned um, on the slide about the near-miss technology, we want to also focus on the uh, high KSI districts, the areas that are not on the corridors. And so the, uh, the grants that we applied for with California Walks as our co-applicant um, is tentatively called Walk Safe San Jose and is in Districts 3, 5, 6, and 7. We uh, received lots of letters of support for uh, that application and we also applied for another project on King Road, which is in Districts 3, 5, 7, and 8. Um, additionally, we want to mention our Citywide Collision Review Project, which is underway now. Um, in this project, we looked through all of the data, uh, crash data and other types of data in recent years um to well actually i should say particularly collision data um to review uh, uh, locations where we can make improvements uh we'd like to do at these locations holistic reviews and make safety enhancements um this is typically a multi-month if not year-long project that involves a lot of our uh, engineering staff so uh, we're excited to begin that big project now and so I'm gonna hand the uh, mic back over to Council Member Perales.
0: Thank you very much um, uh, to Sergeant Connolly uh, and Jesse for those presentations. We are now gonna open it up for questions uh, on the presentations that we've just seen. And, um, and I know I, I got one coming in, I don't know if, uh, and if you wanted to raise your hand for any of the participants. Um, we'll start with uh, Nikita.
11: Um, thank you, Councilmember. I had two quick questions about the data. Um, one, um, I, I recall reading about a fair number of um, solo vehicle crashes that led to fatalities. Is that something that has increased from past years um, or is that data available?
12: um yes there are a fair there are a large number Uh, interestingly there's a large number in 2019 as well so um the number overall i believe is uh, 11 or 12 similar to last year um so i i would say that yes that is true and yes it's also similar to last year
11: okay and then thank you and then my other question was is there age data available for not just the fatalities but also severe injuries as well Um, i think it is definitely noteworthy that the median age has dropped for pedestrian fatalities, but um, I also want to recognize that uh, an injury for an older adult is much more, uh, potentially much more significant um, than other ages, and, and I want to hear if there's any um, data on, on the age range of all KSI.
12: That is a analysis that we can do. Um, I think that, I, you know, what, one of the things about doing the Analysis is, you know, we, we put together these data analysis to make this presentation, but um, we also have another presentation coming to the Transportation Environment Committee, and there are more analyses that we could potentially do for that presentation, which is in early May.
11: Thank you.
0: All right, thank you. Uh, and then next up is Anath
5: Prasad. Good morning. Uh, this question is for the San Jose Police Department. I'd like to find out uh, what their schedule is for the software upgrade uh, to their system, because we've been waiting to get the, the collision records directly into Crossroads system. We have a countywide collision database system. We'd like to get that. Uh, I think we've been waiting for upgrade uh, to the software. Uh, I would would like to know when that is scheduled so that we can plan accordingly.
1: Hello, Uh, the process is currently underway. underway. The purchase order has been put in, but out of my hands, because we have to deal with fiscal budgeting uh, and several other constraints, I cannot give you a straight answer when we will get it, but uh, the purchase order is in, has been in for quite a while, and we're just waiting on purchasing and other paperwork to go through.
12: I would also add that I believe the Department of Transportation is working with the, I want not say the VTA uh, work, uh, so Lily, who is um, on this call, maybe able will speak to this in more detail, but she has been working to get the data uh, into Crossroads, and I believe we're waiting to hear about uh, whether it's been ingested yet.
13: That's correct, um, Jesse. I think NAWF uh, staff is very uh, familiar with that process, so we are working to get the current data into Um, the crossroads system but not a direct link between police departments um, uh, e-site system and crossroads
0: thank you and um and this is good information for councilmember foley and myself areas where we may be able to help especially as sergeant Conley pointed out that um you know it may be just stalled in the, in the process, and and could be just simply a, a prioritization of funding uh, of a question. But that's something where we can we can help to see if we can't urge along, and then maybe Sergeant Conley, you can provide us um, updates on this as as we go through subsequent uh, meetings. I so Appreciate that. Okay, uh, and was that all for you, Anna
5: Yes, thank you.
0: Um, and then uh, Angelique Gaeta.
8: thank you. So I just had a, a question for follow up um, for Jesse when you were talking about the um, intersection of Meridian and San Carlos, because it has hadn't come up in our discussions yet, and it just kind of came to mind when you were talking about it. Because I'm actually pretty familiar with that location; I visit there frequently in the middle of the middle of the night when I need medication for for my kids. But one of the things that I noticed is that there are is a higher number of unhoused in that area, typically younger folks. Um, and it would be interesting to, to see um, what the numbers are for that particular group that are being struck. Um, if there's if there's specialized outreach, I know we've got the county on the line and they do um, obviously have programs for the unhoused. And um, if we could explore that as potentially a special type of, of community outreach and education um, to address. Again, I don't know what the numbers are and how they might be included in the uh, number of fatalities or pedestrians being struck, but it might be worth something to look at.
12: Thank you. We're, thank you for that comment. We will actually be talking about that in our next presentation. So maybe I'll wait uh, to answer it until fully until then. Um, but thank you for the suggestion.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, and I think that's it. Although, uh your, your hand is still up. Um, but I believe you said you were, you were done. So I think that's it for this section. Appreciate that. And we'll now continue our discussion uh, about data. Uh, we'll bring back Sergeant Greg Conley from the, the South Police Department's Traffic Enforcement Unit. We have Dr. Michelle Jordan, the Director of the County Medical Examiner Coroner's Office, uh, and Falco uh, Schon, Schon Weiss. Uh, and apologize again, uh, the nurse, coordination at, uh, nurse co- uh, coordination at the county's emergency medical services agency. Welcome. Uh, each presenter here will have five to 10 minutes followed by uh, five minutes where Jesse will describe how the city of San Jose Envision Zero Task Force uses or plans to use their data. Uh, and then for task force members, please, if you can hold your questions to the end of all three of the presentations, we'll give a full 15 minutes at the end of that. For, for dialogue.
1: Hello again, Sergeant Greg Connolly, the San Jose Police Department Traffic Enforcement Unit. Uh, just to give you a breakdown of the police department in itself, how we handle crashes and citations, we have a patrol division, which is typically the officers you see in cars driving around the city, they are on an average, they're staffed with 80 officers uh, per shift. And we have three shifts. We have a day shift, a swing shift, and a midnight shift. Those are the officers that will go out and respond to crashes, collisions, uh, fatalities, uh, minor collisions, and they're the ones that write the reports. The Traffic, invest- the traffic Enforcement Unit's primarily purpose is to write traffic citations uh, and enforce the rules of the roadway. When we get those traffic uh, reports, which we call triple nickels, uh, they are sent to our records division And they input them to our system. And I have two officers inside my office that go through every single traffic report that is given to the police department and takes data from those. uh, And we call it a hand check. So our process is very time consuming. He has to look at every report and go through every box and capture that data with that data we send it over to the department of transportation and we also send it to the state which we call switters dot analyzes the data and creates creates maps uh in their heat source maps kind of like what we saw in prior in this uh presentation and uh the hotter it is the redder it is uh the more accidents and collisions are in that area now we also do that as a police department with our information so it's not solely on the department of transportation we have a crime analysis unit that takes all the calls for service that are related to traffic collisions um, and we capture that data and then they also give us heat source maps to my unit. And that's how we send out officers uh, to areas when we deploy them to different areas of the city. And as I said before, um, not only is the traffic enforcement unit uh, tasked with writing citations and enforcing the primary collision factors, we're also tasked with marches parades um, protests and that takes away from the officers time writing citations last year i i had a different number for everybody uh i'm glad to say our staff is up to 11 there's 15 in the office that's including a lieutenant and two sergeants and uh I have two that work for me, which which is the special events team. And then we have 11 enforcement officers on motorcycles. Now, when we write the citations or we send officers out, we work a four-day week, 10 hours a day, and we split the officers up into four divisions. We have Foothill Division, Central Division, Western Division, and Southern Division. With those heat map source maps in the, the intersections, that's where we send the officers out to work those areas. Now, with collaboration with the Department of Transportation and Vision Zero, they have corridors that they come up with that are Vision Zero corridors. If those areas are in the same area of our heat maps, uh, we send the officers to the vision zero corridors and say, work these areas and write citations there. We also work with the department of transportation with, uh, uh, we called it fight the spike, uh, knowing the darkness is there. So when the time change came, they did their campaigns and we saw the, the slides with uh, the trailers out there giving notice, slow down, um and then we saw the banners as well what we've been doing is we've been allowing those banners and those campaigns to go let people get the information see the information and then we've been sending officers out to those areas uh when the time change happens to enforce that we don't want to do it all at the same time we want to give an education process uh, let people, give people a chance to slow down or follow the warnings and then go out there and force them. We track our citations by an e-cite system, like I said earlier. Um, patrol officers that are driving around in the patrol cars in their districts they still use paper citations and there is no tracking of that. Uh, We just don't have enough manpower to do that. And that's why we're looking for a software program and it's gonna get thrown out to the whole police department. So we'll be able to track all the statistics of all citations and officers that are writing citations. Um, And like I said, that is in the process. and hopefully we get that very soon. And I think I covered about everything. Uh, the enforcement, the, honestly with the, the county expressways uh, and other facilities, traffic officers, they work in San Jose and it doesn't matter if it's uh, sheriff's department jurisdiction, uh, county road, they have a blanket to to cite anybody for moving violations and and stop people Uh, where that county and different districts come into play is basically on investigations which will come down to uh, traffic collisions and then is that it for me jesse that's the only slide yes thanks all right
12: So to uh, just follow up on the way that the data then comes to the Department of Transportation. Uh, here at the Department of Transportation, we have a full-time staff who uh, takes the reports and reads them and codes them and puts them into our database. And that database, which is um, you know, a large access database hosted Salesforce um, on the cloud, um, allows us to uh, do the more sophisticated analyses um, such as the Power BI crash map, a crash and injury map, that's available to the public on vision sjorg and also our forthcoming uh, data platform, uh, which will be uh, run by Urban Logic when they come on board. Um, in terms of our enforcement activity work with the police department, uh, we're able to increasingly have these types of focused enforcement on um, vision zero corridors such as the daylight savings time campaign um, which last year we called fight the spike and this year we called "Look Out when it's dark out um, so we're also uh, trying to focus more on the uh, top factors contributing to fatal and severe injuries uh, speeding and red light running um, there are some Complications now with the reporting that that enforcement work back to us um, because you know the the uh, system that's old at the police department that they're trying to replace. Um, so now I'm going to move on to our next speaker, um, who is uh, from the the Chief Medical uh, Examiner Coroner, um, Dr. Jordan.
9: Good morning, everyone. Can everyone hear me okay? Excellent. Um, Jesse, I am just going to test my slides real quick. It doesn't look like I can advance, hang on. That's weird.
12: Give, give it a few more uh, ups and downs and lefts and rights. It seems to take a second. If it doesn't work, I'll advance you.
9: Jesse, would you mind um, advancing when I give you the go-ahead? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Um, The Medical Examiner Coroner's Office would like to thank Vision Zero for inviting us here today. To share our data and we continue to look forward uh, continuing the collaboration with vision zero and our county partners and our city partners Um, i'm dr jordan i'm the chief medical examiner for the medical examiner coroner's office and i would like to provide you um, some data on our retrospective study that we performed Uh, back in 2017. And then I would like to end the presentation with uh, data that I would like to share for 2017, 2018, 2019, and uh, 2020. So uh, the first thing I think we need to ask ourselves is why did the Medical Examiner Coroner's Office perform this study? Well, back in 2016, I noticed that there was a large increase in the number of homeless deaths compared with prior years. And that observation prompted this retrospective study, which was a really in-depth analysis of all the homeless deaths that we had in Santa Clara County. So we decided to look at five years of data to document and verify the number of deaths that we were seeing affecting the homeless community and determine any patterns or trends among them. Uh, Jesse, if you could advance the slide, please. So, we reviewed all homeless deaths from 2011 to 2016. Each year was analyzed separately for the variables, as you can see listed here on the screen. And then the yearly data was compiled to demonstrate trends during the study period. Each case was reviewed by me as the chief medical examiner, as well as our chief investigator and student intern. Our office tracks homeless deaths through our software program that provides a checkbox for cases involving homeless decedents after the cases are reviewed. Using the software allows us to easily compile the cases where homelessness is suspected for additional review against the definition outlined in our study, which will be the next slide. It was hoped that these data and trends will inform policy discussion and help identify service gaps for this vulnerable growing population. Uh, Next slide, please. So homelessness uh, that we found early on is not very well defined and can be quite variable. So the Santa Clara County Medical Examiner Coroner's Office determines homelessness during the investigative process by interviewing families and friends, in evaluating the circumstances surrounding the death. Therefore, a classification of homelessness will be assigned by this office if the death occurred in an environment to suggest homelessness, such as a homeless encampment, or the decedent was known to be homeless, based on our interviews, and or a public records search does not identify a valid living address. So I just wanna emphasize that what you have displayed on the screen is our definition of homelessness. Included in this definition are individuals living on the street in indoor and outdoor makeshift living areas such as homeless encampments and motor vehicles, homeless shelters, motels, hotels, or any type of funded housing where the decedent was not paying rent or a current lease or not involved in a current lease. Next slide, please. So what you see depicted here is that between 2011 and 2016, there were a total of 476 homeless deaths in Santa Clara County. There were 50 homeless deaths in 2011, followed by 62 in 2012, 78 in 2013, 69 in 2014, 85 in 2015, and 132 in 2016. The number of homeless deaths increased by 164% from 2011 to 2016. The point in time homeless census and survey that was conducted in Santa Clara County back in January of 2017 found an increase in the homeless population by 13% since 2015. And this is consistent with the increase that we found in our study, therefore verifying the number of deaths that we were reporting. Next slide, please. During these six years of data, 83% of all homeless decedents were male, with only 17% being female. Next slide, please. Caucasian was the most widely represented ethnic group at 58%, followed by Hispanic, and is representative of the ethnic demographics that we have in our county. Next slide, please. The average ages at death were compiled for each year, as you can see here on the slide, and demonstrate a trend towards an older average age. There were also two fetal demises born to homeless mothers during this time period of review. Next slide, please, Jessie. The location of death. Um, So the purpose of determining location of death is to provide the number of individuals dying in places where they lived and where personal belongings were found. Such as homeless encampments and motor vehicles versus those dying in hospitals and care facilities as depicted in the middle of this particular graph. The most common locations of death in this study were hospitals emergency rooms and nursing facilities where the decedent was transported and pronounced. Followed by outdoor areas where the decedent was either living or were found deceased. What I'd like to draw your attention to is the second and third bar graphs on the left, which represent homeless individuals who are dying outdoors, either in homeless encampments or other places. And when you add these two bars together, they exceed the number of deaths that are occurring in hospitals. Next slide please. There is a growing concern about the rise in the number of senior age homeless individuals as depicted in this graph. Santa Clara County observed a 320% increase in the number of homeless decedents aged 65 years and older between 2011 and 2016. And this is a continued concern for us at the medical examiner's office because as a baby boomer population ages so does the homeless population accounting for the increase seen in our study. Next slide please. As many of you are aware, the medical examiner assigns manner of death, and there's five manners of death, there's natural, accident, undetermined, suicide, and homicide. As you can see here in our study on homeless individuals, the predominant manners of death were natural and accidental, underscoring the chronic health conditions and alcohol and drug abuse issues faced by this population. Natural deaths were the most common and include causes such as chronic alcohol and drug use, cardiovascular disease, complications of diabetes, and community-acquired illnesses. Next slide, please. As demonstrated in this graph, there was an equal distribution of deaths in each season of the year. And we attributed this uh, to be explained by the temperate weather in the Bay Area in the overall safety of this area compared to other locations in the state and country. Next slide, please. As part of our study, we also um, did a focus on vehicle accidents. And between 2015 and 2016, as depicted in the graph, the number of vehicle accidents as cause of death increased by 44.4%, according to our calculations. These were predominantly pedestrian fatalities with many of these deaths occurring at night with the decedents typically wearing dark clothing and not walking within marked crosswalks. Another thing to note with our study is that the majority of the individuals involved in these accidents also tested positive for drugs and alcohol at the time of the incident. While motor vehicle fatalities account for a small number of the deaths seen in our study, It is still important for drivers to be hyper vigilant towards this population. Next slide please. And this slide just depicts that drugs and alcohol were observed in these motor vehicle fatalities. Next slide please. The use of drugs and alcohol remained consistently high each year and of the 476 deaths, we recorded 121 deaths that were directly attributed to drugs and or alcohol or a combination thereof. Many individuals were chronic alcoholics dying from complications of alcoholism and combined drugs and alcohol. The most commonly found drugs at toxicology as depicted in this graph were alcohol and methamphetamine which coincides with the drug of choice for Northern California in general, and that's referring to the methamphetamine. Next slide, please. We also looked at mental illness, and we found that the number of decedents with the mental illness listed was listed as a significant part of their medical history remained relatively constant. However, the most common types of illnesses varied by the year. These illnesses uh, range from bipolar disorders, schizophrenia, and depression. Mental illness was captured more frequently starting in 2016. Next slide, please. Uh, For the study, we also looked at any type of recent stressors prior to death. So of the 476 case files that were reviewed for any stressors that occurred Hours to days prior to death, we thought that this was important to take a look at these events were categorized based on notations in our investigative reports and included emotional stressors which are indicated in the blue. Medical stressors indicated in purple physical and verbal altercations prior to death indicated in green and interactions with law enforcement indicated in black. The most common type of stressor was medical, indicating that a portion of the homeless decedents have underlying medical conditions and may or may not be receiving consistent medical attention. It is worth mentioning that the homeless population encountered less stressors overall in Santa Clara County in 2016 than any other year. Next slide, please. So the highlights in our study Were that we documented homeless deaths in Santa Clara county increased 164% over a six year period between 2011 and 2016 the homeless population rose with the greatest number of deaths occurring in 2016. males and Caucasians were the most predominantly represented alcohol and methamphetamine were the most commonly abused drugs. Heroin deaths are being monitored and continue to be monitored given the opioid epidemic. The number of deaths of individuals 65 years and older has risen and is expected to rise given the aging baby boomer population. A significant percentage of the homeless are continuing to die in homeless encampments and on the streets. Next slide, please. Our recommendations in our 2017 report included access to consistent medical and mental health care services, as well as drug and alcohol services and employment resources, uh, which were underscored in our report. We also felt it was important that the homeless population had consistent access to drug and alcohol intervention services. Uh, We also uh, advocated for the use of Narcan Um, which should be considered in this population, particularly if homeless individuals are using opioids. Uh, We also felt that preventive healthcare in the forms of vaccine uh, should be underscored. And I think given the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, even more so underscored. Um, It's important that uh, homeless individuals, do have access to medical care to treat chronic medical conditions? And in our report, we also stated the fact that we need to be cognizant that homeless individuals do have pets. Um, these These offer emotional support to many individuals, as well as transgender and LGBTQ issues that may affect this population. Next slide, please. Um, As part of the summary, I also would like to share updated numbers compiled by our office and what I'd like to draw your attention to is uh, starting in 2017, you can see that the number of homeless individuals who are dying uh, continue to increase uh, with further increases observed in 2018, 2019, and 2020. At the end of 2020 the medical examiner coroner's office recorded a record high of 206 homeless individuals that have died. Next slide please. Um, I know this is a busy slide, but what I'd like um, you to pay attention to are the accidental deaths as well as the natural deaths. Um, As seen on the slide, the number of homeless deaths continue to rise, as we've seen. In terms of the circumstances of death, starting in 2018, the medical examiner noticed that the number of accidental deaths were surpassing the number of natural deaths compared to prior years and continues to be observed. Next slide, please. We have seen an increase in drug overdoses as well as motor vehicle collisions. Um, What I'd like to draw your attention to are the last three categories um, at the end of the slide. Uh, What we've decided to do at the medical examiner's office to even provide more information uh, for our partners is to take motor vehicle fatalities and separate them into individuals who are dying in a motor vehicle Uh, versus pedestrian, versus bicyclist, versus train accidents. We think this is important data uh, that can provide uh, further research opportunities as well as outreach to the community. So uh, we've also seen, as I stated previously, an increase in drug overdoses as well as the motor vehicle collisions, but I think this underscores the need to approach motor vehicle fatalities with a two-prong approach. Uh, Specifically, drug counseling and increased messaging around the dangers of homeless encampments in certain locations, particularly right right along um, uh, major corridors such as freeways and highways. Uh, Maybe the need for reflective clothing for our homeless individuals so they can be identified easier at night in the use of crosswalks. And just really underscoring uh, the drug and alcohol related fatalities, um, especially if someone is intoxicated, um, just really underscoring the need uh, for drivers to be hypervigilant um, if people are not in marked crosswalks. Uh, With that, that concludes uh, my presentation and I'm more than happy to take questions at the end of all the presentations. Thank you again for the opportunity. And um, I I would like to just lastly acknowledge um, our public defender's office as well as our investigator in our office. Thank you.
12: Thank you, Dr. Jordan. Um, That was great. It's also particularly to see the updated slides with updated data and also the way that your office broke them up so that we can after this meeting, um, have more intel about how to work on this than we had before from your earlier reports that are on your website. Um, and also great to you know, have everyone on the task force and who's watching be aware of the great work you do. Um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about the way that our two offices have been working together uh, since we learned about your work and reached out. Um, We have taken the police data that we uh, assume involves people experiencing homelessness and checked it with the medical examiner coroner's uh, uh, database to basically find out if the ones that look like they might be homeless in the police collected crash data do meet the county's definition of homelessness. And then we have mapped those and map to them by whether they were hit while walking or biking or driving or were an occupant um, in a motor vehicle at the time. And so we find that looking at the data from 2015 to 2020, um, specifically within the city of San Jose, whereas the data that the uh, medical examiner coroner presented on was countywide, um, specifically within the city of San Jose, um, most people are in this category are hit while walking. And uh, the, the district with the most dots that you see on the screen is district seven, but uh, there's also a large number in district three and district five. Um, and so when we first did this research and first began working with the medical examiner coroner, we applied for a grant to create an outreach campaign, which um, actually feels like it follows uh, Angelique's comment in the last uh, task force member segment discussion, um, because we we're interested to find out Um, if any other city has done this before um, and also if we were going to create a campaign like this, what it would look like. And so um, I spoke to uh, the lived experience board of um, one of the uh, organizations here in San Jose uh, to see if they thought this would be a a good idea to pursue. And um, the lived experience board of formerly homeless people was supportive. Um, We also... Uh, I reached out to basically strategic communications consultants to think about how to distribute a campaign like this, and they were interested in, oh, one second, <laughs> didn't mean to advance that slide, but um, they were interested in um, in the idea of working with one of our local um, organizations that already works with the homeless population here in San Jose. And so uh, last year we applied for a grant, but we did not end up receiving the grant. And so uh, we're interested in continuing to develop this possible idea. Um, Obviously we realize that there are a lot of um, challenges in the life of someone who's homeless. So we would like to uh, discuss it out a little bit more in the task force member uh, discussion that follows these presentations and also the open forum. Um, So I'm going to move on now to uh, Falco Schoeneweiss, who is from the Emergency Medical Services Agency.
14: Good morning everybody, Falco Schoeneweiss, Nurse Coordinator for the Specialty Programs on behalf of Santa Clara County EMS Agency. Thank you for having us here. And there, okay, looks like I can advance. Um, So, here at the office, we have staff of 21. Uh, We have Jackie Lawler, EMS Director, and uh, Kenneth Miller, the EMS Medical Director. Uh, We have myself, the uh, Nurse Coordinator. We have Shanti, the Senior Epidemiologist. Uh, We have a staff of 10 EMS specialists, two extra help, and five admin staff. Um, so when, I, when I'm saying uh, specialty programs, um, so we're the local EMS authority for Santa Clara County, and for the specialty programs, uh, we have three trauma centers, one burn center, eight STEMI receiving centers that would be uh, where a patient would be treated, or the, these are centers that are specialized to treating heart attacks, uh, ten primary stroke centers, four comprehensive stroke centers. at this point in time an unknown amount of pediatric receiving centers because we're currently in the process of establishing EMS for children Uh, so this is uh, soon to come a couple data systems that we use this is only a snapshot of of them Uh, I kind of try to list the most important ones so we have a computer-aided dispatch system that kind of tells us uh, what apparatus is uh, dispatched to what location, uh, what is the arrival time on scene, when they leave the scene, uh, when they kind of uh, are enrolled to the hospital, when they arrive at the hospital. Uh, we have a system that's called EM Resource uh, that tells us uh, hospital status. They're uh, open to receive 911 ambulances. They're open for trauma. They're open to receive STEMI patients, the patient that experienced a heart attack or they're open to uh, receive a stroke uh, patient. An example would be, um, so in the treatment of a stroke patient, a CT scanner is very important. If that CT scanner would be what we call down uh, inoperable at the time, uh, that center would have to put themselves on what we call bypass so that an ambulance would not bring a stroke patient to that facility because they could not treat that patient appropriately and they would go to the next closest uh center that is open Uh, that's the purpose of that system Um, we have the ems patient care record what we uh, we use the acronym pcr uh, and that's our current system is image trend elite this is where the ambulance crews uh, put all their uh, demographic data in and also kind of what they did for the patient vital signs, how they treated the patient and uh to what destination uh, the patient went and, uh, and a brief narrative of the events that uh, transpired. Um, we then also have specialized registries where uh, data is housed. Uh, we have a trauma registry, our current product is uh, trauma-based. We have a STEMI registry, uh, current product is image trend, and then a stroke registry for uh, currently get with the guidelines or quintiles. Um, so a lot of data housing, um, focusing on, on just the trauma centers, just to kind of not overcomplicate it. There's a lot of acronyms and everything. I apologize. So in Santa, Santa Clara County, we have, uh, three trauma centers. We have regional medical center of San Jose, which is a level two adult trauma center. We have Stanford healthcare level one adult, level one pediatric trauma center, and we have Santa Clara Valley Medical Center, which is the level one adult and level two pediatric center. Um, That puts us very fortunate um, because we kind of divided uh, the county into catchment areas. And um, in the upper left, we have Stanford and then uh, Valley Medical Center and regional kind of in the center. And the purpose of that is to ensure uh, shortest transport times. Possible. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the flow of trauma data. Uh, so a traumatic traumatic injury occurs, uh, EMS arrives on scene, uh, they need to make a um, decision if this is a designated trauma patient. Uh, we have uh, policy 605, which is our trauma triage uh, policy. Um, there's certain criteria we have. Um, Physiological criteria if the blood pressure would be very low. We have anatomical criteria if you would have a penetrating wound to the chest. Um, we also have mechanism of injury criteria if a uh, motor vehicle collision would exceed 40 miles per hour of impact speed. These are all criteria where the patient would have to go to a designated, the closest designated trauma center. Um, if the patient does not meet this uh, criteria, he, uh, they can go to the closest 911 receiving center. Uh, so in the case that uh, the patient would not meet these criterias, uh, the ambulance crew would go to the closest 911 receiving center. They still kind of write uh, an EMS patient care record, and the flow of data in regards to trauma pretty much ends there. Um, if that patient would meet uh, designated trauma uh, criteria and the patient would go to the closest uh, trauma center. Uh, same process while in route electronically on a tablet, they uh, already start um, the patient care record. Um, we kind of uh, want them to post uh, very often. So at least the hospital has at least the minimum data set already available and then finish that patient care record as uh timely as possible after the call is uh, concluded. Of course, patient care always comes first, uh, but we would like them to capture a little bit data and already transmit that to the hospital. So in the trauma center, um, every trauma center has a trauma center registry and they also have uh, registrars. And they kind of uh, take certain data elements from the patient care records that the ambulance crew wrote and also from the hospital documentation. So there's vital signs, mode of arrival, uh, what was injured, uh, it goes into a uh, very great detail. It's called ICD-10 codes. Um, every injury has been coded. Um, and what has been uh, done to the patient, how has the patient been treated and the disposition of the patient. Um, so from that, they submit monthly to our uh, server, the Santa Clara County Trauma Registry and from there, so we can, we can run reports out of this and the trauma centers can run reports themselves as well. Um, so an example for data is our uh, Trauma Care System Quality Improvement Committee. Um, so they kind of um, look at ideas how trauma care in the county can improve. Um, all three trauma centers are standing members of this committee, our agency's member and um, so we look at um, acute issues in the system. We kind of monitor uh, and, and come up with this improvement idea. So we kind of run data reports out of the registry and so do the trauma centers. And then we can also report back to the trauma centers and they might report to us. Um, another process and data flow is we report um, currently monthly to the California EMS information Systems, So that's a certain data set that kind of goes to them. And from there on, it goes to a national EMS information system. Um, One other thing we do is, um, so the American College of Surgeons, they have a trauma quality improvement program. And uh, the NTDB is the National Transportation Data Bank. Um, They also require certain data sets just to monitor Uh, the trauma quality that the centers provide. So pretty, pretty complex. And this is, this is just a snapshot. I I didn't try to overload it. um, Just to kind of explain this, there's a lot of data flows in in, in multiple (laughs) directions uh, and that all applies for STEMI and for stroke uh, in somewhat a similar way. Um, so one thing that we, we, we discussed with Jesse in the group is um, kind of the, the injury severity. And that is pretty complex how that is done in, in trauma as well. So one of the first things the registrars do is uh, what is called an abbreviated injury scale, AIS, that was created in 1969 by the Association of Advancements for Automotive, automotive, automotive Medicine, And uh, what that score does, it looks at the type of injury, the location on the body, and assigns the severity Uh, from one to six, one minor, uh, six maximum. Um, Just as a reference, um, any score above three, we kind of associate with the increased uh, mortality. so from that, uh, we translate that in, uh, in an ISS, an injury severity score. Um, so what they do is they take the highest AIS severity uh, code uh, in each of the three most severely injured ISS body regions. And I'll have an example uh, following. So the, six, the region that we're coding here is head and neck with the spine, the face, the chest, abdomen, pelvis, extremities, and external. An example would be, um, so we say head and neck was moderately injured. That gives us an AIS score of 2. That is squared squared comes to a 4. Uh, the chest is seriously injured, uh, gives us an AIS score of 3, comes squared to 9. Extremity, moderately injured, uh, gives a score of 2. Uh, comes to a four, gives us a total of 17. Um, Everything over 15, we consider uh, a major trauma injury. Oh, apologize, kind of advancing a little bit. Sorry, Jesse, can you get me back on track? Somehow that advancement was not,
12: Yes. Uh, Hold on a second. I'm just going to end that control and go back uh, here and um, we seem to have turned on another version of, there we go. Okay. I'm actually going to skip this slide for the moment and go to Q&A. We might come back to this, but we want to get to Q&A from one of our persons who have to leave. So I'm going to hand it over to the council
7: member.
0: Great, thank you. Um, and uh, who was that They wanted to, to chime in? Was that was that Reagan?
7: Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Go for it, Reagan. I apologize to my fellow task force members. I have a emergency meeting with the state about our um, COVID-related rental assistance program. But I did uh, before I leave, want to just um, share a couple thoughts of, around the homeless uh, deaths portion of our um, presentation, you know, I think there are some ways that we could potentially have a a deeper coordination between some programs that are already existing with our Valley Homeless Healthcare providers, the city funded uh, homeless street outreach teams, the county also has some street outreach teams that have some uh, some specialties in drug and alcohol and behavioral health. So I think we could do some coordination there and maybe have some uh, targeted outreach and services in some of the areas um, that you had identified on your map. And I also think, you know, this idea of an education campaign is, um, is a good one. And I'm wondering if you had any um, estimates yet on what that might cost, first question. And then second question, you mentioned you applied for a grant back in 2020, which I think I had noted from maybe our original, our first meeting as a task force together. Did they provide any feedback about why you were not funded?
12: Uh, yes, the grant that we applied for is the California Office of Traffic Safety. Um, it's a competitive grant, and they do specifically outreach um, around traffic um, injuries. And um, they did not fund it because of their own, um, they, they described it as a not proven countermeasure. Um, now, we did receive that grant, but we did not, they gave us the grants, they did not fund that specific part. So um, when we originally mentioned it in council, we thought we had received the funding. So we were excited, but then we learned they didn't fund that section. So um, I think when we had crafted it, we had thought of initially fitting that grant that it would be you know, under a hundred thousand um, dollars. But I think that if we work with uh, you know, whoever we can find who would be interested to work on this effectively um, that we probably could create a campaign that fits the size of the budget of the of the funder who we can find that would be interested. Because I think we could always start in a small geography or, you know, and then sort of treat it as a pilot, for example.
7: Yeah, I love pilots um, and, and starting small and being able to be flexible and nimble. But Jesse, maybe we could... Um talk after, after this meeting, but I think there's a way that we can use some existing partnerships um, to help in that educational campaign and that might lower some of the costs. So maybe we could connect at another time and just um, talk about this idea of an educational campaign.
12: Great, um, thank you for giving us your input before you have to go.
7: Thanks so much
0: yeah thank you reagan and and i agree i think we have a number of uh contracts um and we have people out there already engaging with our own house community um you know could we potentially add this educational campaign to some of that i I think that's a good idea so now um i just wanted to falco were you able to to finish up the end of your presentation there
12: yes sir i was was there is over one one more There's one more slide that I was gonna give, which is uh, the way that we are looking at using the data from the EMS agency as part of Vision Zero. So um, there is a model that was created in San Francisco recently uh, where uh, in San Francisco, their Vision Zero program, their data is uh, all, whereas we do it in the Department of Transportation here, their analysis is done by their Department of Public Health and their Department of Public Health linked the crash data from the police department in San Francisco with the trauma hospital data. Um, Now, San Francisco, it needs to be said, is a perfect overlap city and county, and also furthermore, they only have one trauma center. So um, we are really interested, and also apparently so are many other counties in the Bay Area that came up in the um, new Bay Area regional a group that just started on February 17th. Um, I don't believe anyone has copied them yet, but we're very interested in possibly being the first. Um, it, and so we're interested to see um, if we can do this, what they did. So a little bit more about their project. Um, they found that um, missing from police records, but in the hospital records, um, if you look at all injuries, uh, 20% of pedestrian injuries were missing and 25% of cyclist injuries were missing. If you look at severe injuries, 24% of pedestrian injuries, 39% of cyclists, 28% of um, motor vehicle occupants. So why is this important? People are always concerned that the data that we have um, is not showing crashes that they feel that they know happened. Um, And so um, in San Francisco, they have found that these discrepancies were particularly strong in communities of concern. Um, low income neighborhoods, undocumented populations. After San Francisco did this linkage, um, they redrew their priority corridors. I mentioned that we have um, 15 city uh, priority corridors plus two county. So um, if San Jose Vision Zero and uh, Santa Clara County EMS just began working together, we only recently discovered um, Falco and his colleagues, uh, Jackie and Ashanti, And uh, we met with them about a week ago uh, and also met with San Francisco, uh, Vision Zero, their public health department, to find out what we needed to uh, basically emulate them. Um, And so we've requested their data sharing agreements and they had to go internally inside the San Francisco government to get an okay to share them with us. So we're currently awaiting that okay so that we can see their data sharing agreements. Um, and if that works out, we could be the first county to copy that model. Um, and it's really a great opportunity to, um, look at, uh, the trauma data and increase our ability to see these greater, um, it's, it's an equity lens. We can see more data potentially that may not be in the crash, in the crash data collected by the police department, uh, just due to, um, you know, the types of, basically finding what San Francisco found in their data, it could be true here, um, we don't know for sure. So um, we're excited to look into that area um, as a new collaboration. Um, So I'll uh, return the mic now to uh, the council member.
0: All right, thank you. And and we're gonna open it up now for questions from uh, task force members, and I do appreciate all the presentations. Um, and it was uh, enlightening to see that, as Falco described uh, the, the data sharing. Uh, and I was uh, depressed when Falco, you stated that. Sorry for the background noise. When you stated that that was uh, a, a sort of a shortened version for us. Um, certainly complicated, and, and and I think what we're looking for is an opportunity, right again, to to even tap in uh, more. And so another, right, another uh, spigot of, 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 of uh, information wanting to, you know, to be shared. Uh, so I, I can see how this is not going to be easy, but at the same time, thank you, Jesse, for highlighting how um, San Francisco has, has done that, albeit much easier, right, uh, uh, the overlap of the city and the county and the one hospital. Uh, but I think it can be done, and I think there's value. And as you stated from San Francisco, that actually makes logical sense that uh, areas of of uh, high immigrant populations right these communities of concern lower income areas um, a a number of drivers that maybe don't have licenses uh, or individuals that could be undocumented that don't want to use the police to report any of these incidents right and so it would make sense that there's a lot of these incidents that may happen and occur and uh, our our police department is never involved so they don't have a report on it there's none of that data would be there but yet they go to the hospital Right? And then at the hospital, they're open about, yeah, I was in an accident or whatever it may be. And, and uh, so it actually makes a lot of logical sense as to why uh, they saw that, that uh, disparity in, in San Francisco. And I think we would see the same where we would, sorry, <laughs> we would see the same where, um, where we would likely look at adjusting our corridors as well. So uh, So now I'll turn it over to my... Colleagues on the task force. Uh, so, we'll first we'll go to our vice chair, uh, Councilmember Foley.
2: Thank you, Councilmember Perales. And actually, you said everything that I was going to. I think the the uh, emulating the SF model that's already established seems like a natural direction for us to go, and would really be helpful for us to connect those who are. Reporting to the trauma centers, but aren't uh, as indicated talking to the police department about it. So I, I, whatever, what, what can we do to further those efforts along? Any any suggestions at the council level that you need that would be helpful, Jesse?
12: Um, I. Yeah, well, well, I think that this is a long-term project, um, and we're excited to get it started, Um, but that um, we don't yet know all of the ways in which we'll, you know, need support from other entities in government. Um, This is new for us. I think it's new for EMS, and so... We, you know, are looking to see what data sharing agreements exist in city government and in county government and obviously the ones in San Francisco. Um, So we, you know, we'll we'll have a lot of hurdles. Go ahead.
13: I think I can add maybe one thought to that, to answering Council Member Foley's question. Um, Data has become, you know, knowledge is power, data is key, and having the right technical resources to connect the data pieces is key. And I would say that uh, as much as our engineers and planners attempt to make the connection, it's uh, really necessary also to have um, information scientists, uh, the IT staff that connect uh, our systems for us. And I I find that resources a bit limited in, in the city at this time. But once we have our partnerships in place Uh, And having the the back end resources here on staff uh, would go a long ways as well.
2: Thank you, Lily. I I appreciate that it's a long term goal, but it it seems like something we should be working forward to to address, particularly our communities of concern and how we can address inequities that may be existing in our road in the safety uh, pedestrian safety of our roads and i noted in one of your slides jesse that it said that san francisco actually changed its uh its corridors and that may result too from from us investigating this further so uh, as you say data is uh important and it's uh, it, it, knowledge is power and it will help us Be able to be more effective in keeping our streets safe for our pedestrians, Um, the other so thank you for that and and thank you for the presentations on this the other comment I wanted to make was about the unhoused population. Those numbers were really. uh, Helpful Uh, I hadn't seen the breakdown like that before so. I appreciate the analysis and the data. And one thing I took away is the, that some of these deaths of the unhoused are occurring in the evening while they're wearing dark clothing, crossing the streets, not in an intersection. And some of the things we could do might be outreach and education, but the other was suggested uh, reflective clothing. So maybe um, there's a way that we can Uh, distribute when we're distributing uh, trash bags and other things to our homeless encampments uh, and our unhoused population to distribute reflective uh, clothing of some sort. But I think that's worth taking a look at because that will uh, allow motorists who are uh, trying to pay attention, who have someone coming across them who is in dark clothing and shocking them. And of course, death is not acceptable whether they're crossing properly or not crossing properly. So anything we can do to give the unhoused tools they need to help them be safe is a good step in the right direction. So uh, I appreciate the reports and the information and thank you very much. That's it for me, Chair.
0: Thank you very much. Um, And just as a a note on the time check, um, we do have three people from the public that I'd like to leave at least at six minutes at the end. Uh, So we've got about 11 minutes for our comments. Uh, So we'll go over to uh, John Risto.
3: Yeah, thanks Chair Perales. What I'm really just gonna do a thank you uh, to both the EMS team at the county and the county uh, medical examiner. This was a terrific presentation of data that we didn't have and it was really a missing link Of the stuff that we really needed to do to kind of put it into the human human needs that we need to be looking at. So I echo yours and vice chair's comments on this as well. I want to thank Jesse for helping to pull this all together and we look forward to a lot of collaboration with the county on this. Thank you.
0: I'll, I'll echo that. I think that the, the data and everything, uh, this has been a good start, uh, but I, I think if we don't end up with some sort of uh, collaborative, you know, data sharing effort in the end, then this was just one presentation, right? And, and then it gets lost on us. So I, I agree with, with that. Um, okay, we'll go to uh, Lauren Ledbetter.
10: Hi, good morning. Um, I didn't get a chance to introduce myself in the beginning. I, I worked for VTA in the planning department. Um, Again, thank you for this really excellent presentation. Um, I had a clarifying question for Dr. Jordan and then um, a question about some potential uh, data sources. So for Dr. Jordan, when you showed the slide of, um, I think it was the most recent data for homeless um, fatalities, you listed out, you listed out drugs and alcohol, and then you listed out uh, the traffic-related deaths and the train and pedestrian and vehicle. And my question was, with the um, with the drugs and alcohol, is that the cause of death, or is that any any fatality that where someone where it was involved? Are they are they unique
9: lines? Yes, um, Dr. Jordan. Uh, thank you for the question. No, those were unique lines. So those, the drug and or alcohol related deaths are a separate category versus the motor vehicle. Okay. I think that answered your question. Yes, but, you did. Yeah. But in, in the motor vehicle fatalities, we do see a subset of those deaths in which drug and alcohol is involved, but it's not the cause of death. It's due to the injuries from the motor vehicle fatality. Okay, that makes sense.
10: And then my other question was you listed trains. And I'm wondering if you are some of those suicides um, are some of the, well, I guess you wouldn't know, right? Um, no, I would know that. You would know that? Okay.
9: And that is something
10: that we can provide. All right. And then, and I think the other interest we would have is of those, which ones are the, you know, what trains are they? BTA, Caltrain?
9: Yes, we ETA, can also... We can also provide that data. We would be more than happy to provide that data.
10: Okay. And then I had um, just a general uh, larger question for all the panelists and and even for everyone. Um, In developing a safety campaign, so VTA is going to be leading a a countywide safety campaign focusing on bicycle and pedestrian safety. One of the things we want to do is try to get at not necessarily the victims, not the people who are getting injured and killed, but the drivers. And I'm wondering, uh, just in general, do folks have a sense of data sources that we might be able to look to where we can understand demographics and other characteristics of the drivers that are being involved, who, who are involved in these fatal and severe injuries for pedestrians and bicyclists so that we can develop a marketing campaign that targets these specific people if there's trends at all. I don't know.
12: Yes. That, that, that is in the crash data from the police department. So um, we uh, are able to analyze that and we do have uh, basically the, the, the age range that uh, most drivers are male Um, And um, we will use that, I think, when we bring on the strategic communications consultant. Um, But I suspect that um, the consultant will ask us for a deeper dive into the data than we've currently done. Um, And so um, we also, for the campaign that you're working on, uh, can do a deeper dive, um, you know, where possible.
10: I'm wondering if there's county-wide data that tells that.
12: Um, Presumably, yes, um, but we may have to get it from crossroads, yes.
0: Okay, thank you. And was that all for you, Lauren? Great. Yeah, that was.
10: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Okay, uh, uh, Anand?
5: Thank you, Council Member. Uh, My name is Anand Prasad. I'm the County Traffic Engineer. This data is fascinating. The presentation was excellent. So the EMS data and the hospital data are so useful for us to understand uh, the impacts of uh, these collisions. So I just wanna share my work on, uh, I did that about a few years ago, and also the problem with why the data doesn't connect. So hopefully uh, as you guys go forward, uh, it'll, be, it'll be able to help. Uh, if EMS data can take the officer uh, police citation or the police report number, if they can put that in their data, that'll help us extract that information. Uh, Due to HIPAA regulations, we're not able to get all the, you know, personally identifiable information on any of these records from hospitals or EMS. But if they could put the report number, we could get the rest of the data and that'll help us connect the collision to the EMS and to the hospital data. And uh, lastly, on the hospital side, we have more ped and bicycle collisions reported there because if somebody falls while, dry, you know, riding their bike or like if they trip and fall on a sidewalk, police doesn't take the report on it so that, that they go to the hospital to get the treatment. But when they go to the hospital for the treatment, we also checked on the medical record. Unfortunately, the hospital doesn't take the location of where, the, where this happened. For them, that's not very important. So if they can actually start taking that data in, then we can actually uh, geocode that into the uh, into our database and say, these are the locations that we're we having, you know, trip and fall data. If there's a pattern, it'll help us identify where the problems are and, and we'll be able to fix it. So, thank you.
0: Thank you, Nath. Yeah, that's really helpful uh, points that you've, you've made there in regards to uh, injuries, right, trip and fall, um, and, and really where uh, that location is never captured. Um, and so that's extremely helpful. And I do think that that would be great to, to you know, try to gather that data at the, at the hospital level, and then obviously be able to share it as well. Okay, uh, last up, I believe we have uh, Angelique Gaeta. Thank you
8: um just very quickly because i know you have members of the public that want to speak i did want to say thank you to dr jordan for the presentation it was excellent and very responsive to the question that i had raised earlier so thank you for that um because of that i'm wondering if we can get a copy of that presentation and all the presentations that were given today they would be helpful in the work
4: that we're doing at vta as well and that's it
0: and jesse can you just uh answer that
12: Yes, um, they're posted, and um, but if you don't have it, we'll send it to you again.
0: I believe they're, they're open for everybody, right, as well, right? The, yeah, yep, okay.
12: yep. So, they're on vision0sj.org. Great.
8: Okay, we can look there then. We just didn't get them in the email invite, but that's okay. We can look there. Thank you.
0: Yep. All right, thank you. And I don't see any other hands. I'm not seeing any other physical hands, too, if any of my task force members are having trouble uh, with the function. Um, And so now we will go to public comment um, and we have four people uh, that are waiting. I will turn it over to um, I believe Anna uh, and we will give each public speaker two minutes.
4: Thank you Council Member Perales. Uh, Give me a few seconds to uh, set up my screen. Okay, uh, with that, I would like to call on our first speaker, uh, phone number ending
3: 35140. You can unmute yourself. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is going out to SJPD, if Conley's still on the, on the line, I wanna let you know It's disgraceful what you guys do with giving out traffic tickets. You know the traffic courts close. I want all the residents to know in this county that traffic courts close, but they're handing out traffic tickets like candy. And uh, it's unfair because denied justice is – denied and delayed justice is wrong. It's unconstitutional. Okay. Secondly, we have a crime wave going on, but you guys are at Brian and Cherry hiding behind a bush on a motorcycle blocking the sidewalk. You can't do that if you have a work truck uh, blocking a sidewalk or a driveway when they're trying to put a roof on your house. It's illegal to do that because code enforcement seems to be coming by or parking enforcement comes by giving tickets. You guys are worried about a, a flagpole that's one inch tall, but we got to worry about a homeless bum crossing the street who's, who's drugged out on his, on his cell phone getting hit by a car. That's a problem. Well, it's not a problem where I live, but you guys seem to want a gold brick and revenue uh, th- this district because you know you can get away with it because the people don't complain in this district, but I do. And you guys should be ashamed of yourselves. Everybody who's there should be ashamed of themselves. we got a crime wave going on, people smashing out your, back, your backsliding glass door, but you guys are there eight to five hiding, hiding behind a bush like it's a cartoon. You should all, Conley, you should be ashamed of yourself. And, and I want to know how you can get away with blocking a sidewalk. Are you, are you guys above the law? I want to know. And I want you guys to answer my questions about this. And this vision zero thing, vision zero. We're going to go back to year zero like they did in Cambodia. You guys really think that all this data analytics is going to work? You guys, you, guys, you, guys, you guys must have a, a, a connection to software companies for, for contracts or something for kickbacks. I can't prove that, but it seems like you're okay. Thank you. Now we'll go to Molly McLeod.
4: Molly, you can unmute yourself. Hello, my name is Molly McLeod, and I'm a mother whose son was killed um, crossing the street in San Jose at the intersection of Santa Teresa and Cottle um, in March uh, 19, um, 2018 is when he was hit and then he died of those injuries um, several months later. I uh, wanna emphasize the importance of using the Government Alliance on Race and Equity toolkits. Um, fortunately, Santa Clara County's Public Health uh, Department it was a leader and the first one to take um, those on. And I'm glad that the city of San Jose's Transportation Department is also um, involved in GARE um, and ha- recently has a, a task force. Um, that, that really focuses on not just the data, but um, disaggregating it, which we've heard some of the information on. But then also there's steps for um, the community engagement part and most importantly, getting to root causes. So for example, with more people who are homeless or unhoused um, being harmed and killed, then sanctioned encampments um, could get to the root cause of why are people um, walking along busy streets um, near the freeways, et cetera. Um, I believe it is uh, likely that it's an undercount in terms of those who um, were, were hit um, and, and killed uh, because my son um, has an invisible uh, disability, not readily seen, and at times has been homeless. Um, so I, I don't know that he was included in either of those counts, he's also a black man. Um, I think that the ideas of, I think it's really important to find out what really works instead of just throwing money at, at possible outreach. Um, The city of San Jose has partnered with the Behavioral Insights team before, um, so that it's not, um, you're actually finding out how efficacious is um, any outreach is there. Um, Also uh, for people with disabilities, want to note San Francisco has an Office of Disability and Michelle Mashburn is my friend who I'd really not like to be killed. The alfresco is an issue right now. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Molly.
15: and next up will be Paul Soto.
4: Paul, uh, you can
15: unmute yourself. Uh, good morning, my name is Paul Soto. I'm a proud member of uh, Councilman Paralysis district. Um, I'd like to uh, extend my uh, sympathies to Senora MacLeod for the passing of your son. Um, I would also like to extend to you the pride that I feel to share a city with someone like you that is as engaged as you are. Um, I'd also like to extend my gratitude for the awesome job in terms of, uh, for Dr. Jordan, because you see this every day. You see the end, some result of poverty, generational trauma, neglect, the incompetencies and the unwillingness of this city to really address what has happened historically over decades in this city. We're seeing the manifestations in here and Jesse is not gonna see it on a data point. It's just not gonna happen. We have to humanize it. I I would challenge the fact that data is not knowledge. Data is information. Knowledge comes from a human being through experience. All data is, is information on a screen. Knowledge comes from a human being. He is intrinsically connected to a spiritual element that exists in the universe. So that, that I'd like to make very, very clear, because we need to start humanizing these issues. I am one of this population. Every single subcategory that you described, I'm a member of right now. I'm a bike rider. I'm a Chicano. I'm homeless. I'm penniless. I've lived in generational poverty. I've been institutionalized. I've been in the tents. I've been in the psych wards. I've been in your recovery houses. Okay, so we really need to start having a conversation. The reason, why, the reason why a person doesn't wear a vest and the reason why he wears dirty clothes, I could tell you, because dirt shows up on your clothing and you don't want to be shamed and embarrassed and draw attention to yourself. That's why we won't wear reflective clothing because it draws attention to our shame. Thank you, Paul. Uh, and our last speaker will be Blair Beacon. Blair, if you can
4: unmute yourself.
6: All right. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Uh, There's a massive push by the federal government to place new four and 5G technology in local neighborhoods, along with a new smart street light system being placed around the entire city of San Jose. As this can include much surveillance and data collection, I'm hoping this can satisfy many new vision zero and neighborhood safety demands. For as much as I respect, this can be a beginning time of better human rights and equity practices in how to gather statistics for KSI studies and reports in San Jose and to thank you for the very clear good news starting point in reporting today. A reminder that current new and improved KSI statistical uh, data gathering can simply enlarge and skew the traffic and skew the traffic death statistics of previous years in San Jose. I hope we can leave an urgency to inflate the meanings of these new data gathering practices of KSI statistics. I ask you please make honest efforts to make clear to make more open and clear with the everyday public the differences between past and present uses of ksi statistical numbers and until new statistical data collection ideas can acc- can acclimate be better understood and better accepted in the next few years a reminder i am part of the efforts of open public policy ideas uh excuse me for a second here uh with with open public policy ideas uh uh, for the future uh, and accountability of for the future of community surveillance technology. It is this work of how to a more open trusted dialogue and more open public policy talk between all parts of a community that can lead to ideas of peace and more genuine positive ideas of community sustainability. I feel a better acceptance and effort with accountability and public policies with the needs of a vision zero neighborhood safety plan can be an important part of how all boats can rise together at this time and where community projects concepts thoughts, and ideas do not have to be isolated or work in mutually exclusive terms to close please keep in mind better visions thank pack- you blair
0: uh, and uh, appreciate uh we're, we're we're just over time um and so i want to thank everybody for being here with us today and engaging in the discussion to make our streets safer uh, as we go forward with the task force we will continue to encourage participation from all of our task force members And our next topic uh, on Friday, June 4th from nine to 11 will be uh, under the theme of outreach. And our Vision Zero Task Force uh, staff will reach out to the organizations about uh, the government staff level outreach working group meeting, which will take place next month um, in April. And uh, the next Vision Zero update at the San Jose City Council uh, will be on uh, May 3rd uh, at our Transportation and Environment Committee. Uh, And after uh, today, uh, everybody will be given a short survey following the meeting, if you can please kindly fill that out. Once again, uh, be safe and and have a good weekend. The meeting is adjourned.